you doing today? And I have, for my audience, uh, an incredible lady. Her name is Rudine. And her last name, I, she's going to pronounce it for me. L-E-A-N-I-N. No. So, I'm going to tell you about this lady because I and many of you who are much younger than I, we stand on her shoulders. She has made it possible for you and I, uh, what, as you know, many of you that I taught at Lehman College for 35 years, and when I first started teaching, there was nothing positive about black people from Mnuchin to uh, the man who wrote The Melting Pot. Everyone can succeed, and she was doing it while he's writing it, except black people. So we surely stand on her shoulders. And I want you to talk, Rudying, Professor Rudying, about who you are, where were you raised, and what elementary and high school you attended. Can, can you say it to us? know there are very few people who especially women and I'm talking about women of any color who taught high school at that time in chemistry I'm not much chemistry. Which uh, NYU, which campus were you on? Because there was a campus in the Bronx. Yes, I took one course there, but the one that I actually went to, and I was a teaching fellow there and a research fellow there, that was the one in the village. Wonderful. Uh, In fact, my father went there in 1930. That's incredible because... We have this notion, I think the greater society has this notion, and part of me too, uh, that we had very little achievement until maybe, when I say little, I mean little, until the 50s or or so. So uh, we all should be very, very proud of you. To my shame, I went to Bronx Community High College because... It was very, very difficult. I went to Evander for... Yes, okay, my sister went there. Yeah. Yes, uh, for us to be recognized as anything. So most of us who went to school in the North had to go through the Bronx community format before we got in. Right, and it, it was a very good school, actually, you know. Oh, oh excellent. Went on to college and some of them went on to graduate school. 
excellent, excellent. I did well because mm -hmm. I had nowhere, yes, because I had nowhere to go but. I mean, it wasn't even a choice. It wasn't even a thought. And when you say that to some people, they can't imagine that you didn't have a choice of where to go. That, that was for most of our reality. I saw so many people I knew at Bronx Community College. So I'm, I'm glad to have you, and I want everybody to know the wonderful things that you have achieved in life. You told me that while, while you were teaching, you went to Tanzania. Because we're, we're hearing that now, but that's part of a history that's been thrown away also. As a historian... <laughs> Yes. Uh, I covered that in the book, as yes. a matter of fact. 
keep her kids safe and negotiate during this horrible period because there were no vaccines and as as now and and, and there was uh, there were no medications. People were taking uh, turpentine and all kinds of things that of course could hurt them but didn't help them. Yeah, I, I remember uh, that was still part of the healing when I was a kid. People putting turpentine on your chest and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, your, grand- <laughs> uh, your grandfather, very, very much a part of World War One. Right. To my knowledge, uh, Woodrow Wilson, who's touted by many, many people, and only coming up the last year or so mm-hmm. uh, as a major racist, had put... It was. Many of our gains that we had made, Mm -hmm. he had uh, just eliminated, reminds me of Hayes, that was one of President Two. I, Mm -hmm. your husband, not husband, I'm so sorry, your grandfather was not allowed to walk in the Victory Day uh, by Woodrow Wilson. He said, no, I don't want them to walk here.
don't know could write a, a, a library of information. Yes. But and the funny thing about Henry Johnson was that uh, the Americans were, uh, uh, the American soldiers or the American uh, army were really annoyed that he got the cross because he, a black man getting, you can imagine in uh, Okay. I, I, I don't know him, but I'm proud of him already because we have fought in every war since the Revolutionary War. Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. no credit. Yeah. No and credit. Each, time we, each time we were promised certain things and we thought that we would get uh, the, the recognition of our full citizenship, but many times, most times, we were disappointed. That's a very, very, very sad connotation about uh, America and their treatment towards us, and we have been staunch citizens. Tell me about Cole, uh, what it meant you were writing that book. Why did you write the book? Okay, yeah, um, my, my son, Thomas Allen Harris, is a filmmaker. So when my father had gotten fairly old, very old, really, uh, he decided, and my father was a storyteller. He always told many stories about his father. His father was the one that was in the uh, Harlem Hellfighters. So uh, my son did a video uh, of my father, and I was the interviewer. And it was so interesting. It was like a two, three-hour interview I did. And then after the interview, my son gave me the transcript. And I looked at that transcript. I said, this is absolutely amazing, the stories he told. And I said, I really have to write a book on this. Of course, I, I didn't write it right away. I didn't write it for maybe another 20 years or whatever, maybe not that long. But at any rate, uh, it always haunted me. I said, I really should be writing this book. Now, one day in the uh, in about tw was it, uh, 2011 or 12, I happened to see a ad in Harlem when I was having some tea in Harlem. I saw an ad for the Frederick Douglass Writers Group. And I said, gee, I, I should really take up writing courses because I was always interested in writing, although this was my first book. So I went uh, to the place, I went to 196th Street, and I registered for the course. And it was a group of people, uh, we would write something every week and then come and read it to each other and get feedback. The teacher was Grace Edwards, who was an amazing writer and very, very uh, cooperative and very encouraging. And um, she wrote about Harlem, uh, a detective stories about Harlem in the 50s. So she, she was a great writer. And uh, so this went on for several years. And during that time, I would write a chapter and I'd bring it in and people would um, critique it. And of course, at the same time, I was doing the research because it was a lot of research It's amazing. 
you put everything in it, but that, that came from your childhood and your family, because you put everything in that book. It was great. Thank you. <laughs> now, you have to make a choice. Do you want to go on and talk about the book, or would you prefer to do your poem? Well, I could read a short uh, selection from the book. I'll tell you a little, I can tell you a bit about the book, and then I'll read a, a short selection from the book, if that's okay with you. Oh, whatever you do is okay. Okay, okay. All right, so let me just start then. Um, you know, the name of the book is Cold War and Love, and it's called C-O-A-L. I named it Cold because my grandfather was a stoker, a coal stoker, which means that he, sh he shoveled coal uh, for a living. Um, That's a back-breaking job. Totally back-breaking. Totally back-breaking. Oh, my right? God. Detroit, 
my mom graduated in uh, 1940. Your grandparents graduated a lot earlier, but it was incredible for a female to go to high school. I don't care what race you were, because I know in 1940, uh -huh. they were at 7%. Right, okay, so okay, you, yeah. So she graduated, she graduated from high school, very cultured, you know, she loved to read, uh, and as I said, she was an excellent seamstress. Anyway, she and her sister would travel back and forth on the ferry, and that's where she, they met, they met there. And they, uh, of course, he had to go to the house, to, uh, he was invited to go to the house to ask for her hand, or ask her, he caught her, and the father agreed, and uh, they did get married after a short courtship. Now, when they went to Albany, he didn't want her to work anymore. So uh, that's the mindset of the men at that time. And uh, he got a job as a coal stoker, shoveling coal, at the New York State Capitol. So he was doing that. But was, as you said, it was very, very strenuous. I remember as a child, mm -hmm. uh, they would have coal come to the building. And people who took that job were young because they were strong. Right, exactly, exactly. So then they married, they were very happy. He did extra jobs on the weekend so that he could give her little luxuries that she liked. She loved chocolate, eating chocolate bars. At any rate, um, in, in 1917, the Great War was raging in Europe, and America decides to join the, the battle. So uh, they asked my grandfather, could he, since he was, he was a, 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 a colored man at that time, could he go around Albany and Troy and recruit some of the, some, some soldiers? And he did that. And then he decided, well, I might as well join myself because if I, if I go to war, they're going to have to give me a better job when I come back. Well, I, they don't have to do anything, but this is what he thought. And uh, so he joined up, and he, he jo and uh, they went different places. They went down to South Carolina for training, and it was a whole big thing down there because they were such racists. And finally, they sent them to France, where they uh, uh, were given to, they were loaned to the French, and uh, they became so-called Harlem Hellfighters. Mm. Now, after he left, she was there alone with three children. And uh, this was like a year and a half after he left. And um, that's when the Spanish influenza hit Albany. It had been to New York and killed a lot of people. It had been to Boston. And then it, it finally hit Albany. And it was a terrible time. Uh, as I said, they had no vaccine. They had no medication. So she just decided that she would, first she prayed for God to ask to show her how to keep her children safe. And then uh, she decided to keep them in the house for the period of time that the uh, Spanish flu was active. Mm -hmm. And she did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a story. And one of the one of the things, one of the uh, dreams, other than meeting my grandmother, that my grandfather had uh, was for his son, uh, if he had a son, which he did, which was my father, for his mm. son to go to college. That's that's what that was his main thing. So he did survive the war, and he came back, and he kept telling uh, my father, "I want you to go to college. I don't know. I, don't, I have 
he went to NYU. And eventually, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the end of the book. But anyway, he went to NYU, exactly, in 1930. Mm. What we don't know can write a library. So that, that is exciting. Please tell me how people in the audience can come across your book, can get your book, can... Uh... Okay. Uh, I have a website, where you, which I, I would advise them to go to the website. Uh, the website is www.tulipbudpress.com. Now, Tulip is important to you, isn't it? Again, you have several poems. 
please. I have this one that I have a mini story about my mother. A oh. mini story about my mother. So I'll read the poem quickly, and then uh, if there's time, I can read that mini story about my mother. Okay. Okay. Uh, the title of the poem is Those Who Came Before. They came. They came carrying their songs, their sorrows, their joys. They came praying, weeping, laughing, and praising. They lived and grew strong in spirit, despite harsh oppression. They survived and prospered in the richness of love. And we are here because they were, because they cared, because they remembered those who came before. So that's a short poem. That is, that's right, we came and we prospered. Wow. somebody
wonderful, wonderful. And I said to myself, it's wonderful, wonderful. Okay. This is Murphy and Friends. <laughs>